Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel, you're gonna find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is gonna be on there. You're gonna find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts, all that you can follow along with. And the best part is that it's completely free. They're also around 10 to 20 minutes long, meaning if you're short of time, you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout. New workouts will go live on the channel every Tuesday and Thursday and they're gonna be accompanied by an amazing backdrop, which I'm sure you're all gonna enjoy. So if you wanna find the channel, just search Elliot Hassoon into YouTube and you'll find it very easily. And please subscribe. It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. In today's episode, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Stuart Sanderman. Stuart is a breathing expert, peak performance coach, and the founder of BreathPod, where Stuart and his team deliver breathing and coaching programs that aim to help individuals, groups, and businesses reach their full potential. The work that he does is truly, truly impactful and will reach you on a physical, emotional, and vibrational level too. The conversation I had with Stuart was truly, truly fascinating. The concept of breath can initially seem quite trivial, but hopefully after this conversation, you'll really be able to see the power that you can harness by gaining control of what seems to be so simple, yet highly underrated, and it's the mechanism that essentially provides our life force. We go through how you can get started with breath work, even if you're skeptical, just like both himself and I was initially how our upbringing and early emotional experiences impact how we breathe today, and the benefits you can expect from breath work along with so much more. Stuart's journey is unique and inspiring. He's a truly genuine human being who makes breath work so accessible and genuinely enjoyable too. I hope that you guys take as much value from this conversation as I did. So without further ado, Stuart Sanderman. Stuart Sanderman, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks. A pleasure to be here. Nursing a little bit of a back injury. But uh, I'm feeling good. And apart from that, and, and yeah, just excited to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. So you can tell the listeners how you've positioned yourself today. What are you sat on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sat on this massive, big, fluffy beanbag. I thought it, was, it, would be, it would just be able to mold it into a position where I felt comfortable and supported at the same time which is uh, maybe quite a nice mantra to have, isn't it? Comfortable and supported. But yeah, this beanbag is, is doing, doing the trick um, so I don't have to squirm around while we chat today. 
<laughs> yeah, let's hope you we don't keep you here for too long. Otherwise, you might not be able to get up after the show. I know that that's the thing. I, I, it's happened a few times. I'm like, oh, I feel pretty comfortable in this position. And then when I go and try and stand up, I'm like, oh my god, I can't get up. Um, and that is uh, that is the issue sometimes with beanbags. Even on the best of days, if you if you li- lie down on a beanbag, it kind of it sucks you in. It, it engulfs you, and it's hard to get up. But I think I'm good. I'm, I'm kind of propped up, so. I think we'll be good. I feel like I've I've nailed it. Nailed the position today. I was I was contemplating kneeling while we chatted, but I, I, I sat there just for about five five minutes. I was like, well, this isn't this isn't going to work. But I'm feeling good now. So yeah, I think any position where you like put too much weight on one leg, it doesn't matter. Even if you're not injured, just like twenty minutes later, you're like, oh, that leg's dead. Let me just like try and put, <laughs> and it feels like it's not even part of you anymore. You're like picking it up and moving around. Let's hope you keep it a good position. So I am going to ask you about your story in just a moment, but I think a really practical and nice way to get started is to actually take people maybe for a brief snapshot of what you do. So I see your Instagram reels. I did the focus one before we went on. And I wondered if we could do one live on the podcast that our listeners could jump in and do at the same time before we get in to get them in the right state and set the tone for the podcast. Would you be keen to do that? I would absolutely love that. That's a great way to start. And it's often how I start sessions or even if it's a corporate workshop or something, before we do any talking, we get our mind focused and body just feeling calm and relaxed. So hey, let's go for it. So we're going to just start off with a simple breathing exercise um, just to calm the mind and just let go of any tension. So just wherever you are, just taking a break. If you can, of course, take a pause, take a break. You can close down your eyes if that helps. Bring them to a soft gaze. It helps bring our attention inwards. And just pause for a moment. Notice how you feel. Notice how your mind feels. Your body feels. And now just feeling into your breath, notice what's happening with your breathing. And from here, we're going to breathe in through our nose for, let's get a count of four, feeling our belly rise. That's important. So breathing in for a count of four. I want you to hold at the top for a count of four. Just keep calm and still. Then breathe out for a count of four. And then pause for a count of four again. So we've got a little hold on the bottom there as well. We're going to do three more rounds of this. In for four. Hold for four. Out for four. Hold for four. Make sure you're not clamping or creating tension on those holds. Let's do two more. In for four. Feel your belly rise. Hold for four there at the top. Out for four. Hold for four. Let's do one more. In for four. Hold for four. Out for four. Hold for four. And then just let your breathing come back to normal rhythm. And you can you roll your shoulders, loosen your neck, you have a little bit of a stretch, whatever feels good. And when you're ready, open your eyes. What a great way to start. Um, it's so it's such an effective tool. Uh, we'll be talking all about it, I guess, but um, such an amazing way. That technique, box breathing, is what the Navy SEALs 
use before going into hostile situations. They want to go in feeling alert and on point, but also calm and relaxed. So they don't want to be too stressed and they don't want to be too switched off and calm. So I often say if it's good enough for them, I think it's good enough for us going throughout our day and not having to have well, maybe a different type of bullets being flown at us. But certainly um, it's a great way to just to get the mind focused and, and feel a little bit more relaxed. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people will say, yeah, my, my day is just as stressful as a Navy SEAL. So it's, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. you said, if it's, if it's good enough for them, it's definitely good enough for us. And I like what you mentioned there. It's like, it doesn't just, and I think this is a misconception and we'll probably dive all into this in just a second is that people will think, yeah, meditation is just supposed to make me calm. But then you do think about the impact that it it genuinely has like biologically from a nervous system perspective and like, well, in this state of calm, you can genuinely be focused, right? You think like being amped up and, you know, all scattered all over the place might make you perform better and be on point, but actually you might be able to put off all this energy, but your energy is able to be a lot more focused when you actually stop breathing. You've got yourself in a more settled state, right? Yeah. And it works on every level. It works very like you said, mechanically, it's working with the biochemistry of the body as well. We're working with the, the brain, the body, everything, everything is just balancing out. So it's it's a really helpful, quick, quick I mean, what was that? Four four rounds of 16. So we're, we're not using, it's not a lot, a lot of time, just a short amount of time for a real big output at the end. So quite economical in that sense. Absolutely. And that's what I love about the work you do is that you make it so accessible and you also make sure that we're not sat there for 30 minutes, two times a day in the middle of an ashram in India, we're genuinely able to just do it right now on this uh, podcast. So I would love to dive into your story a little bit more on the breathwork side of things, but also from a personal standpoint. So where did your journey all begin? You can go back as early as you think is necessary to where it brings you today. Wow. It's funny because where does everyone's journey begin is probably that first breath. I know that sounds quite almost philosophical, but people haven't asked me, how long have you trained? Or how long have you done this? How long have you done that? And I'm like, well, it's, we're all, everyone's training all day, every day. We're just experiencing our life in different ways and learning and doing the best we can at different points. So the journey probably began at that first breath. Um, like all of us, I'm no different, but there were certain life experiences that certainly ebbed and flowed and got me into what I now do, which was not something I ever expected to do, teaching people to breathe or working with this tool called breath work or breathing and, and respiratory health. It was not on my radar. And there were many instances throughout my life where certainly breath was a predominant thing, but it was like staring in my face and I never even realized. My background was quite sporty. I, I left school and was doing judo full time as a profession. I dreams of making the Olympics in any sports for breathing, really. Breathing, whether you're stressed or anxious before a competition or whether you're needing to go that extra round, breathing is such a predominant thing in that sport or in any sport. No one ever taught me to breathe during that time. And I... um that, that part of that journey kind of ended with injury. We talked about my back and, and that was where this the same injury that I've now got today um, originally happened. I, I herniated a disc quite badly and it kind of ended that sporting career and I went off and went to university and, and studied maths. So went on a very different route, left university, ended up in finance for in London and over in Asia. So I kind of went from this sporting space into very more a corporate space. Again, no one really taught me to breathe. I was stressed out, city worker, um, working hard, playing hard. Yeah, just like, breathing would have helped me so much if only I'd known through that. And then I took another jump, uh, another jump 
again, miles away from breathing, it was, I signed some record deals, which was always a passion. Music's been a huge part of my life, probably since I, I could first listen to it, whenever that was. And it was a, a bit of a dream come true because I signed some record deals and decided to take a year off, take a year off corporate job. And I didn't look back. That year became more years. Um, and I, I was soon sort of touring and playing festivals and clubs all around the world and, and having a jolly old time. Again, not thinking about breath or breathing at all, maybe breathing the wrong things. But yeah, what then segued into where I am now? And I think that, that, that whole, I talked about judo and I think that martial arts and just being involved in sport, you're always looking to find an edge. And I think when you compete with something at that level, or, or, I was on a judo mat at four years old. So I'd, I'd, it was huge part of my life you're kind of looking for those things to, to give an edge and again breathing wasn't ever something I looked at which is bonkers now looking back but um the step into breath work and breathing and, and understanding this tool that we have wasn't as pleasant a ride my girlfriend when I was doing my music um was diagnosed with terminal cancer so it was it almost ignited the judo player how do we beat this thing and we went on a wild hunt of treatments very conventional ones, what the scientists are saying, what's out there and what can we, how can we defeat the odds? Um, and then the, the, all the amazing alternatives, which is a bit of a minefield because there's so many people that advocate this as a cure or try this or try that. So we, we kind of threw the kitchen sink at it. Didn't do breathing. And I think it's funny. I look back and I think if, if somebody said, try this, try this exercise or try breathing differently, I probably wouldn't have listened. I would have said, wait a second, breathing isn't going to solve cancer here. Like somebody speak some sense, get me a doctor. I'm not now advocating it does, but, but it's, yeah, certainly I maybe wouldn't have listened. And it wasn't until sadly she passed away and as kind of expected, but of not something I really wanted to come to terms with that I moved back to Scotland where I'm from, took some time out of everything and everyone. I was in a bit of a bad headspace, as you could probably imagine, uh, feeling a lot of anger and guilt and just everything that comes with grief. It was just, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't really feeling good about it. And fortunately my, my family were really supportive and mum was amazing and dad was amazing. And, and something popped up on mother's day. It was a week before Mother's Day and it was a breathing workshop. And I thought, oh, my mum will love that. And that was as far as I thought about breathing. I thought, mum will love that. She's into yoga. Um, I quite like a bit of yoga and stretching. We'll go and do this breathing workshop. And that was me. I went to this breathing workshop and it was a, a deeper form of breath work, um, which I still teach and, and work with. And that was, I didn't, I, <laughs> typical me, I didn't really read what I'd bought a ticket for. I just thought it was a breathing workshop, but it was actually to do with releasing um, trauma and, and working through emotional baggage, if you like, um, without me really realizing that. And I sat in this room and I did this very dynamic, powerful breath work and thought, what bonkers thing am I doing now? Breathing in a room for the strangers, um, doing some, making some funny noises and something happened after about 10 minutes into that session, it felt like I'd left my body. It felt like my girlfriend was there with me. It was completely out there, really amazing, very emotional, very cathartic, life-changing. It was like a light bulb switched on. I thought, wow, breathing. 
Well, I didn't actually think while breathing. First off, I thought, hey, I'm going mad or someone spiked my drink before coming in. That was the two options that I had. Uh, right. I've just lost the plot now. And they didn't, they didn't quite seem the type to spike your drink. So I thought maybe there's something here. There's something in this. Um, what just happened? Like that curiosity really kicked in. Was that real? Was she there holding my hand? Was this just a figment of my imagination? Tell me everything. I think that's what I said to the, the facilitator. So I start working very closely with that type of breath work, a specific practice of kind of conscious energy breath work, like you, connecting your breath and, and using somatic release, getting rid of tension, physical tension in the body with acupressure, etc. Yeah, it's like like many people when you get into something, it's something that just helps you so much that you end up want to share it with the world, and that was me. I it really really helped me through grief. I've, uh, initially, I was like, right, that's. This is a little bit out there. I'm not sure my mates would, would be into this. It might have to be my secret fight club for a while. And I'm just going to go and do this breathing thing. And yeah, it really helped me kind of find that solace through grief and, and helped. But it didn't stop there. It, it was, I was doing a lot of CrossFit at the time. One of my old judo mates has a CrossFit gym in Scotland. And he was like, this will make you feel better. Not sure how that helped my back, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'd, I was doing a lot of CrossFit and I, even that I was still doing my breathing exercises and, and doing my different things and, and just started flying up the leaderboard. And that was a real tangible shift for me as well. I was having these kind of very interesting experiences in my breathing sessions and breathwork classes in my mind that I just was like rolling with. But then I started to notice these tangible differences physically. That voice in my head started to being a bit kinder to me. And um, the more I did it, the more I thought, wait, why? Like looking back, like I said, on my life, why didn't anyone teach me to breathe when I was trying to be the best I could in that given sport? Why didn't no one teach me to breathe when I was stressed out at work? Why didn't no one teach me to breathe when all these different points, when I was going through my music and traveling and, and feeling tired with jet lag? There's so many different applications that we can use. It's almost like a breath prescription for pretty much any um, scenario. So that was me. I thought, right, well, I need to share this with the world. The initial class that I was doing was so powerful, but I thought for this to actually reach the people that I think need it most, it needs to be done differently. It needs to be packaged differently. It needs to, um, the practice is incredible, but I'm not sure people that really need it would be able to dive in and do this. So that's where I kind of set off and I set up BreathPod, um, initially working with kind of businesses and corporates just to integrate that into workplaces and working one-to-one more on a, on a deeper level, a private clinic, and then working with athletes as well in a very different sort of breathing protocol to help with a given sport. So that, yeah, that's a bit of a long-winded story there, but that's what's kind of brought me to here and now. And and I think everybody's story is it has these ebbs and turns and you think you got things planned out and then something else just takes you in a completely different direction that you never even thought was a profession, um, is a profession and, and is something that we'd be able to help so many people. That's um, an incredibly profound story. So many things to unpack there, but I can only imagine how challenging it was during that period where, like you said, you search for all the answers. And I tend to say that the best people to speak on topics that are like this, whether it's health and fitness, whether it's specific in breath work or on the note of nutrition, are the people who have had such a tragic thing come and they've done so much digging, so much searching to find the answer. And it is a shame that you didn't come across breath work. However, you know, we don't know how effective it would have been at that stage, but it's always interesting to know that 
those people are usually so passionate about the work they do. It came from a place of just like actively searching and actively searching. So just an interesting and uh, quick question. Why do you think you never took on the signs to take on breathwork earlier in your life? Why do you feel like it had to be a, a dramatic thing? Because I find that with most people, we usually have to wait until something quite demanding comes in or quite tragic comes in before we take action on things that we know we should. You mentioned it come up a few, came up a few times. So what uh, do you think stopped you from taking it in the early stages? Because I think it could help people to get there before they need it, if you see what I mean. Yeah, no, it's an amazing question. And it's something that would come up in my earlier session, uh, earlier sessions that I talked about in that story, why it felt like such an aha moment and why it was even the breathwork sessions were bringing up more anger because it was like, this is it. This is what we were searching for. And it was with us that whole time. Every step of that treatment journey, we were breathing and we were looking for this thing outside of us. Take this magic thing, do this thing over here. Why don't we have this? Oh, why don't we take that three times a day? That's going to help. Make sure you're juicing. Make sure it was all this like using external to bring inwards this this change in the body. But with something like cancer or something like that's that's your cells, that's your body. That's it is your body and, and your breath. And I think it would it something like grief is a big transition for a lot of people. And grief doesn't have to be losing. Um, a loved one. Grief can actually be migrating to a new country or it could be losing the job that you love for. And there's there's loads of different ways that we ex, uh, experience grief, but it's such a profound feeling. And there's usually, it's unnegotiable. It's like it's happened and you can try and fight your way. Like it's, it, you can't, it can't, the, like the line is drawn. And that's why I think it's, so, there's the finality of it in sense of what you feel. So it forces you, it kind of really forces you to a, to a place to actually try and work through it. And yeah, the signs were there. Of course, the signs were there in terms of breath work. And even, I even remember watching, we, we were doing treatment in, um, we were doing treatment in Taiwan towards the end. We, we found some specialists in Taiwan and we, we moved out there. And we, I remember sitting in our hospital bed, actually watching the Wim Hof Vice when it first came out ages ago. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's, this guy's bonkers. That's interesting. Breathing. Not sure I buy it. Went to the park and actually went on YouTube and played around with the kind of Wim Hof stuff. But that was it. Then I was like, right, back to treatment. Like, let's go back to like you now, Tiff. Let's let's work on you. What can we do? And we were were we were exploring so many so many things. And when I say so many things, bridging way beyond cancer because we were faced with terminal illness. We were, what is life? What is death? Where do we go? Like, what happens when you leave? Or if you leave, like this all happens to us all at some point. It's like the, the dead sure thing we're, that's going to experience. We're all going to pass at some point and we're all going to lose somebody that we love at some point. And when it happens a little bit earlier in your life, it's yeah, it's, it really is. It's a real head fuck in a weird way because you, our brain wants to know it's like wanting to problem solve because that's what our brain does and it can't comprehend and we will never know, but it still just wants to try and solve it. So where do we go? We don't know, but let's keep on trying to find out like what happens after we, we pass. Is, is it just, do we just turn to dust or do we go on a magical next ride? Or is it like the, the caterpillar will becoming the butterfly? Who knows? And we will all know one day at some point, but we, we really, really try to answer those questions. And when you start trying to answer those questions, you dig further and deeper into philosophy, into religion, into belief systems, patterns, all sorts of stuff. And yeah, that's that's kind of where we went on that journey. It was it was it's funny because 
now looking back, it's quite a, it was quite a beautiful time, but not. It's such a really weird thing to say to, to somebody. But looking back, I think because I have worked through and I've done a lot of breath work to help through my grief and, and lots of different things, that there's a real acceptance there. And I look back and I think, wow, what a wild experience, and tragic experience. But I think life has those ups and downs. And, and when you can look back and go, wow, like we did live through that and we explored it and it brought me to this point where I am now. And that's something to be grateful for. I think you landing on gratitude and acceptance is probably a beautiful way to sum that up. I think it's amazing to ever find yourself being able to shine such a good light on something that's so tragic. So I think that's really impressive and goes to show the power of the work you did. The original question was, why do you feel it didn't appear in your life sooner or you didn't take the signs that life was giving you? But I guess it probably just wasn't a strong enough call, I guess. Mm, I think, yeah, it just wasn't there. I didn't I didn't think that we'd do anything, which is quite interesting because I get that a lot. I'm breathing already. What's that going to do? That's what people say to me all day long. Oh, well, what's, especially the skeptics. And I was a skeptic and that's maybe that's it. I was a skeptic when it came to breathing. I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was powerful enough. We needed something more. And that was the aha moment in that, from that first session to hundreds of other sessions after that. I was like, whoa, this is actually way more powerful than anything I've ever tried. And um, which is bizarre and bonkers because a lot of things that I had tried from different meditations to different alternative treatments to different practices. I'd be like, well, nothing's really happening. Did that happen? I'm not sure. It was so, it was so like subtle, the subtle changes. And I, I wasn't quite ready to feel the subtlety. Whereas when I started doing breath work, it was like, pow, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, that was, that got me on every level. I felt buzzing and tingling. And then I left my body and I felt like I was flying around the cosmos and, and really, really out there. Like I said, completely bonkers. And then I would come back and go, right, what was that? That was insane. And it was that hook. Um, but I wouldn't have sat there. And I think as well, especially through that cancer time, it's like a time time bomb. It's like just ticking. Every day was just ticking. The doctors are kind of giving this really kind of hard, it was like, you won't be, you won't be able to, the stats say you won't live past 18 months. And it's just like, right, okay, well, and then you start a treatment. You think, is this working? We're not too sure. Let's jump to the next one. Is this working? Oh, is this right? Do we stick with that one? Do we go with this one? Oh, what do we do? Oh, and, and that's the, the kind of desperation comes out and something so slow is breathing. Not that it's slow in its effectiveness, but in my mind, I thought it's just air. No, that's not going to work. Yeah, no, that leads me on to my next question, actually. And you mentioned that like, you obviously threw the kitchen sink at it. And then there was a lot of times where you're like, okay, let's get back to taking medicine. Let's get back to taking treatment. And I feel that unless you have a life-threatening illness or you've just broken your arm or something along those lines, we should be looking towards those lifestyle factors that we can improve. So how could you encourage someone who's very much ingrained to think, conventional medicine. I just need to take a pill to solve my problem. And I know it's not necessarily the way people frame it, but it is the way people behave, you know, instant problem. Let me take an antibiotic. There's no thought of like, do I really need these antibiotics right now? What's this going to do to my gut health? Could I do this through my diet or anything along those lines? So how do you get people from the approach of immediately going to my doctor and seeing what they can prescribe me to what can I genuinely prescribe that might not be necessarily orthodox, but can be so much more powerful? 
Well, firstly, I think there's a time and a place for that conventional treatment of medicine. And there's times you need to go to your doctor and there's times you'll need antibiotics. And that's really important. But I also believe that there are lots of ways that we can start to unwind. I mean, you, when you go to your doctor, you only get 15 minutes. They're overloaded. They're, they're, they're back to back and, and they're working really hard to try and keep that wheel turning and, and see as many people as possible. So if it's, it's funny when we talk about that person that just wants to take something or, or just wants them a quick fix or is maybe a little bit more skeptical. When I set a breath pod, my barometer for all of everything I was doing was my dad. Am I speaking in a language my dad would, would get? Now my dad is like one of our biggest advocates. Um, and it was this like the, the bar of like, is this too spiritual or is this too um, woo-woo or is this too scientific? In fact, it could be the other way. Am I talking gobbledygook science that's confusing or is it too esoteric and up in the clouds? Um, so that has all been my barometer. And often the thing, my little sales pitch to somebody, I'm like, you're breathe- if you're breathing 20,000 times a day, it's what keeps you alive. And if you stop breathing, you're no longer here. And if you were doing any task 20,000 times a day, would you not want to know if you're doing it right? That's my little elevator pitch. Do any skeptics out there? I like that. <laughs> and usually people go, oh, yeah, it's worth a shot. And that's all I'm saying is worth a shot. And the science is now there to back it up, which is like, woo, there's loads out there and there's more coming out every single day. We talked before we went live just about the different um, parts of the, how, how our breath goes across different parts of the body. It's, it's very physical. It's very, it's an exchange of gas, oxygen coming in, powering your cells, creating energy, carbon dioxide being removed. But those gases are chemical. Carbon dioxide is acidic. So we have this change in pH depending on how we breathe. The rhythms and rates of our breaths in- integrate the um, signal, the rhythm and rate of our heart, which signals our blood pressure. Which So you see all this knock-on effect, which then sends a signal to our brain about how our body is or how our mind is perceiving our environment. So it bridges from this very physical, mechanical, chemical into this more mental, emotional. Our breath is the first thing to trigger when we are in that state of fear or or you wander onto the road and a bus is heading for you. (gasps) Gasp of air. It triggers your body to click into gear, engages your muscles and your legs, blood flows to them, you jump back to safety. So our breath is there. Our breath is there to support us. You've been doing it all day, every day, and it's just moving to work with what's happening. And that's what's just so amazing I feel about breathing is it's there, like it's got your back the whole time. The challenge is then when we start working with the mind, the mind is a little bit distorted because we're not standing in the bus lane all day, but maybe our thoughts are whizzing around. We have those those stresses and strains and overwhelm and have I done this? Have I done that? I should have done this, should have done that. The negative thoughts, the loop of negative thinking. And what that does, same as an experience around us, our thought triggers our unconscious patterns, including our breath. And it's our breath that then will trigger our feelings again. So it's like, if somebody's skeptical about this stuff, I, it, almost, it almost makes me laugh now, although I was that skeptic. I'm like, what? This doesn't make any sense. How can you not like look at this as a tool to make you feel a little bit better? We start off with that exercise for focus. But another one that I go on about and I badger on about and I hit home this phrase all day long because it saves my bacon multiple times a day. If in doubt, breathe it out. Okay. And I say that and I tell people to 
I keep on telling people to tattoo it on their arm. No one's ever done it yet. Maybe maybe there'll be a first and they'll send me a message saying, I've tattooed it on my arm. Um, hopefully one day. But if in doubt, breathe it out. So let's just, if we just break that down as, as a kind of like scientific approach, if in doubt, breathe it out. What does that mean? If you're feeling stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, well, doubling your exhale length to your inhale creates a parasympathetic response. This is your nervous system. Your rest, digest, repair. Heart rate slows down, blood pressure reduces, and you create a calm response in your body and mind. The mind might jump back in. So even in one cycle of that, you're going to feel a little bit calmer than you did 10 seconds, 20 seconds beforehand. And you can just start repeating it and adding that throughout your day. Oh, I'm feeling a bit stressed. Well, let's just calm myself down, have a double, double my exhale again. This isn't hocus pocus stuff. This is just bringing a bit more control of your body, your system, your nervous system. That is maybe, it's a bit like, the cowboy lassoing the horse. We're just kind of like pulling things in a little bit, just taking a bit more control of our day instead of just letting it run on autopilot. Instead of, instead of we're just letting whatever reactive behavior happen around us through our environment, through our thoughts, through our phones, our technology, billboards, all these things that are starting to oppose on us. Well, we can take a bit of control back by breathing, by breathing a little bit different and playing around with it, getting curious about it. And that's what I often encourage people to do. Just get curious, see how you feel. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful message. And to begin with, I think you're going to have to start the trend of people tattooing it on their arm. Otherwise, they won't follow. <laughs> I think uh, you're going to have to do it first and lead the way. <laughs> that's maybe where I've been going wrong. I should probably get it. I'm not sure. Not sure I want that though. So maybe, maybe that's the problem. No, but I love what you're saying in terms of the genuine, like practical, like the analytical brain thinking side of it and how you can apply that. Because if that's honestly kind of the my nature, I'm always like, show me the science or I'm not listening, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I want to know the proof first before I buy into anything. And I find that a lot of people kind of resign to that, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing in most cases. But then once I did hear about the impacts on the nervous system. And like you said, the biochemical impacts of that. I was like, okay, I can get behind this. I understand, you know, the power of physical activity. I understand all of that type of stuff. And okay, there is a lot that we can't actually grasp in terms of what happens from a spiritual aspect, what happens from Mm. all of that. But at the stage that I started my journey with breathwork personally, I was quite open to exploring that. So I was almost like, I, I know that that's there. I know that the, the actual scientific, it's scientifically backed. I'm not just wasting my time sat here breathing when I'm doing this anyway, but I'm okay with opening myself up to like, there's a lot of this I don't know about and I'm just going to embrace it. But I feel like a lot of people will take some time in order to get there, of course. So my next question for you is on the premise of someone not potentially having quite as a profound impact as you, they didn't quite get drawn to it the way I did. Because I was, once I started doing it, I, I was bought in immediately. And so were you. So I know there are people who've tried it before and they've literally said to me, my mind's too busy. I can't do this. I don't, I don't join yet. What do you say to those people who takes a little, who it takes a little bit more time for them to really feel the effects of it, or maybe don't feel the effects of it, or maybe they need to go to someone like you to genuinely feel like they're doing it properly rather than their, you know, the app they're doing on their phone, for example. Yeah. I, I would, I would challenge that. I mean, there's different, when we talk about breathwork, it's a bit of a minefield because there's so many different applications and, and that deeper work that I'm talking about is very different from that if in doubt, breathe it out technique that I just said. So for those that 
are finding it hard to, to their mind's too busy. Um, they don't have time. Um, they find it hard to sit. The nice thing about breathing is it creates like a safe place for the mind to go. It creates a safe place to park the doing part of our mind. So there's a, they're always thinking, we can't, can't stop thinking. Well, if you just think about your breathing and that might just be on the fly, like I'm feeling stressed right now. What is my breathing doing? Well, let's just take a couple rounds of breath just to calm myself down. And that might be enough just to start off with. Or how am I breathing when, I, when I'm walking to work? Can I just change my breathing? How does that feel? What's going on? So just becoming just a little bit more aware of it is the first key anyway. We did a little bit of awareness at the beginning of the call when I said, how are you breathing? How do you feel right now? Because how, are, how we're breathing is usually mapping how we feel. So just having that awareness of that and then playing around with it, slowing it down probably will be the key for most people when we're feeling stressed and overwhelmed. So if we calm our breath and slow it down, the mind will start to follow. And it's that little bit, little bits here and there, maybe just little transitions throughout your day. If you're walking from room to room or um, walking to the shops, can you just take that time not to be scrolling on your phone or doing anything else? Can you just take that time to figure out how you're breathing? Are you breathing using your diaphragm, which is your primary breathing muscle? So many people aren't. I posted on my, my social media just the other day, how are you breathing right now? And it's one of those poles, belly or chest. And, and I thought, um, I've been doing a lot of sessions on my, on my Instagram, badgering on about the diaphragm and making sure people are breathing correctly. And it's almost 50-50. And I was like, wait a second, I've not been doing a good enough job here. If this is 50-50 on my poll on my Instagram, like, that's it's not not ideal. So again, just checking in. What is my breath doing? And, and those little bits might be enough just to get you a little bit more curious about where you can take it. Because I, I teach many styles of, of breathing and different rhythms and rates and different things that do different things. And some people really love just to like dive into the deep work and and go into those deeper practices and have those releases. And other people are like, that's just not for me. And that's fine. That's great. But, but we can still use having a couple of tools on your tool belt to regulate your uh, nervous system is amazing. I mean, I still use it in front of, if I'm going off to do a big event or a big online event and I'm feeling a bit nervous or beforehand, I'll do that calming breath work. And I'm, I'm always just like, wow, it works. Not that I should be even saying, wow, it works since I teach it, but I'm always just like pleasantly surprised at how much better I feel every time. Um, so I think, I think it's just about playing around with it, seeing what works for you, what sticks, what's um, easy enough to implement. We don't need to go and sit cross-legged and do all like go really, really deep into different practices. It might just be taking a sigh. <sighs> we do that naturally at the end of a stressful moment. I'm feeling how we feel. I feel a bit different now from before. Maybe I'll do another one of those. <sighs> All right. Okay. So playing around with the feeling that you have afterwards and just in essence, working with that is a really nice starting point for some people. And if you find it too hard to sit and meditate or sit and do a longer breathing practice, just do a minute, just do a minute. And if you don't have a minute, you, you certainly need it um, more, more than yeah. most. 
Absolutely. That's what I say to a lot of people. I say, you know, if you can't find one or two or five minutes in your day, you really need to look at what's, you know, how you're spending your time in your day. That's, that's problematic in itself. Forget the breathing. Yeah. Like, what, what are you doing all day? But no, I completely understand. And I want to get really practical now. So I definitely have been able to see this since my understanding of breath work. You can genuinely see when people are chest breathing and genuinely you see it in their posture. You can see that in their kind of their approach and their attitude, it, it fills into everything that they kind of are. So for anyone who's maybe not come across the difference between chest and diaphragmatic breathing, how A, do we breathe through our diaphragm? And B, how do we know and catch ourselves when we're not potentially obviously checking in with ourselves, but can we like put our hand on our stomach to know that? Or how would you say the best way of discovering diaphragmatic breathing is? Yeah, the great, great question. And it's probably one of the key factors. A diaphragm is a primary breathing muscle. It doesn't fatigue like our intercostals and the pure mechanics of it. For breathing in our chest, it's just a shorter, shallower breath. We've got a shorter, shallower breath. The signal to our brain is a little bit more rapid. And we're saying there's a tiger in the room, but the tiger's in our mind. Now that might have happened because of an event. It might just happen because of our muscle memory, because we've been stressed day in, day out, over and over again. And we learn this kind of habit or bad habit of breathing. So how do we check? The best thing is just to have a feel. So you can place one hand on your chest, one hand on your belly, and just take a deep breath in and see what, which hand rises and falls first. So for myself, with your diaphragm, your diaphragm opens up downwards, a bit like a parachute. It's connected along your rib cage and right, right back to the back of the spine. So it's along the sides. It's a massive muscle that runs right across the body. And when you breathe with it, it contracts and it moves downwards opens up. And because of this movement downwards, air and organs displace down and the belly rises. We get like a lot of um, blood flow, our lymphatic system kicks in. It's like a big pump for our lymphatic system. It's um, it's responsible for clearing toxins from our body. So it's how we're designed to breathe. It gives us better core stability as well for those fitness folk um, that want to um, just have better stability. So diaphragm is what we should be using. The challenge, I know we just said, just have a feel. If the different breathing patterns and and one of the breathing patterns that we I often come across is what we call a reverse breather slightly different from chest breathing but it is still chest breathing but it's kind of an extreme version of it and what i mean by reverse breathing is when they breathe in their belly actually goes in and their chest comes up like this and then when they breathe out everything collapses and for reverse breathers it's a little bit more challenging just to switch to diaphragm because their basic um movement, their breathing, which is one of the most fundamental basic movements that we have is back to front. It's a bit like having your jeans on back to front. So coordination is a little bit more challenged initially. So for if you're finding it really, really hard, you've got your hands there and you're thinking, wait a sec, my chest is still coming up before my belly. And it might feel so alien because you're so ingrained in this pattern. That's when you just have to have a look and just watch it. So you might have felt it. Now just start watching it and really start thinking, can I breathe into my lower torso? Can I, I often tell people to try and imagine breathing lower down, like try and breathe into your hips. Right? That visualization sometimes helps people to get that going. If that is still not working, lie on your back and pop something on your belly so you can start to feel it even more so. And then if that still doesn't work, flip onto your belly and lie on your face, on your front and just feel the movement of your body against the floor and really start to feel your lower torso move against the floor before your chest. So that's the kind of route to it. If that still doesn't work, you probably need a bit of, um, the the diaphragm can sometimes be completely paralyzed and frozen. 
it's a bit like any muscle. Yeah, use it or lose it. And if you've not used it for a long time, it just becomes tense and tight, like a tight hamstring wood or something. And the muscle just tenses up and you just need to get in there and actually kickstart it and massage it and get the muscles engaged again. Um, so quite a few different parts to it, but really will make such a big difference using the diaphragm to breathe on every sense of it because it will work better with the physical mechanics of your body. You take a proper breath. You also um, feel a bit calmer. It's a slower breath. You get more volume of air um, into your lungs as well, which is better for power and um, output and all, all these good things too. So, This is fascinating. I have just a very quick question, if you know this. Do children naturally breathe through their diaphragm? just generally, or do they then obviously pick up the the cues from life that make them fight or flight and then they end up getting into the habit of chest breathing, but do they naturally breathe throughout their diaphragm? Yes. Yes, they do. Babies are the breathing gurus. Okay. Babies are the breathing gurus. Unless obviously there's been a complication or collapsed lungs or something at birth. If something's happened at birth, obviously that's a bit different, but a healthy baby um, from birth and we were all once the breathing gurus. We all began perfect breathers and then life happens. So yes, you said picking up cues from around you, you will mimic patterns of your parents, of your people around you. Then you have experiences as well. And the experiences, there's, there's formative years, there's seven years is where we kind of create our manual that we operate in our belief, our core belief systems. And with our core belief systems comes our core breathing patterns. They're mapped because our breathing matches our emotional states. Which is why some actors actually change their breathing to go into like a different character and, and on stage and things. So our breathing matches our emotional states. It changes. So I start laughing, <laughs> my breathing might go like this. Or if I start crying, well, it's kind of similar, but it starts juddering. My diaphragm goes. If I'm feeling stressed, if I came on the call, like, oh, oh, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, I'm here. You'd be like, instantly, your awareness would say, either Stuart's just run up the stairs or he's what's up with them? There's something going on. So we already have this built into our our own mind. So our emotions are mapped to these different patterns of breathing. So when we feel emotion, our breathing changes and it helps with this rhythm of the emotion, the energy movement from inception when it happens, from that experience trigger, wherever that trigger is. Um, Harvard research says it takes 90 seconds for emotions to complete its cycle, which is really interesting because I'm sure I was uh, held on things for about 20, 30 years. But, um, I think we yeah, all have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but 90 seconds. And what happens in that 90 seconds is a change of breath. Breath flows and it's like that. And maybe it comes with emotion. It might come with an outburst of laughter or an outburst of rage or a, a, a tear or a cry, which is the diffusion of that. That experience has created this energy. It's like the bomb's gone off. But what happens in our modern life is what do we do? Instead of that happening, we hold our breath. So we hold our breath as a safety mechanism because we either consciously don't feel it appropriate to express that emotion or we unconsciously think it's a safe thing for us to do because we don't have to feel it. So it works on both levels, both consciously and unconsciously. So we're at work. We just had some bad news come through, but we're in front of our team and we want to burst out crying, but we go, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. We hold our breath. The big boy doesn't cry. That was certainly one of my beliefs, which really I had to work through through that grief part, which we'll maybe come back to. So back to the, the, the kind of notion of perfect baby breathers. Well, 
from that baby being told, shush, don't cry, don't cry, it's okay, don't cry, oh, let's stop you crying. Start to build up this notion that it's not okay to fully feel in our world. Like, oh, feeling's not great. If I cry when I need something, that's not deemed appropriate. And this is happening on a very, very deep level. And we still don't completely conform because a, a toddler is still just like having a tantrum in the supermarket and then running off with a dog or a puppy like nothing's happened. Um, so we're still very free in those kind of 90 second states of, of flow of emotion. But then school, parents, society, we start to conform. So, you know, it's not appropriate to laugh in class. Or it's not appropriate to... Um, cry in front of your mates. So we start to condition ourselves and the way that we control our emotions by holding our breath. So all of a sudden we take a, we could take a, a breath hold to constrain ourselves from feeling. And this is where it does kind of go into a bit more um, vibrational science, if you call it that. But because we're creating physical tension in the body, the energy is denser because we've created tension in our body to stop that emotional flow. So our Actual vibration, and what I mean by vibration is like our body is just made of at- cells which are made of atoms which are just whizzing around at different densities. So if we've created tension to hold an emotion in place, then our vibration intensifies, it becomes denser. We, we even use that in our language. I feel heavy, I feel a bit down. And we are, we're, we're creating tension in our body. And that's all mapped. We're creating tension and our body does not know the difference between something that's happened 10 years ago and something that's happened two weeks ago, it is just these cells and atoms vibrating in the present. And if that is denser and more contracted or constricted because of an experience, well, that's what's happening. It's only our mind that then kind of files everything away in time and says, oh no, that was then, this was then. So all of a sudden through being this perfect baby breather, we then start to have both conditioning from the world around us, but then we also start to have our experiences these different experiences happen to us and we, we either get the, the traumas and I use that quite a little bit more open than the word trauma is. Usually people think trauma is, is quite heavy loaded, but trauma could just be getting the blame for something instead of somebody else, instead of your sister or not feeling like you're being listened to. And that's sticking in your mind in that moment. Breath pattern changes, creating tension in your body. So your natural breathing pattern changes. And then you start going through your life with this different breathing pattern. Our breathing pattern is sending a signal to our brain about our environment. So it's this two-way street of what's happened, what our brain is picking up from our senses and through our thoughts. What our breathing signal sending back to our brain as a feedback loop to create our state of being and how we interact and our behaviors. So it's so fascinating. I, I just think it's so incredible that this thing when we're looking to find some sort of change in our life. And I think everybody is always looking for that little bit of something that maybe 1% here or 1% there. I want to feel a bit happier. I want to feel a bit healthier. Like if your breathing is mapped to all those things and once we were the perfect little baby breather, then by working with your breath, you can start to unpackage some of this stuff that we've been carrying around with us. And it's the quickest, well, certainly my experience and the, the many, many people I've worked with, the quickest way to untangle some of that stuff, to take the bag of bricks off our back, to let go of that physical, mental, emotional tension so that we can go back to this perfect baby breather. Diaphragms open, everything's flowing and life just begins to flow. When our breath is flowing effortlessly, we don't have any tension, then our life starts to follow suit. We start to act in flow of everything around us because... The final point in this, our breath is not, this is when it does get a little bit more cosmic, but our breath isn't just us breathing. It's this cycle of air between every living thing on this planet. 
Like I breathe air in, it pumps through my heart, around my body. I breathe it out and someone else breathes it in, which is quite scary after the kind of two years we've had with respiratory viruses and all sorts. A scary thought, but it's also quite a powerful thing to think, well, the air that I'm breathing today has already been through many, many people and not just people, every animal, every plant, the trees, the oceans. And we have this cycle of, of breath flowing all, all the way between everything and every everyone. So it's, it, it is this cycle of, yes, baby breathers. We all were that perfect baby breathing, little mammal. And um, all mammals use the diaphragm to breathe. And then life happens. And we have different experiences that create tension in our body, cause us to freeze our diaphragm. We hold our breath. We hold our breath unconsciously because we get the fright or we have an accident or we bang ourselves, or we think it's not appropriate or we get told off. Um, And then our breathing starts to change. And then the way our breathing changes influences how we think, act, operate, perform, perceive, all these things. And that's how the cycle keeps on going. So it's really nice just to kind of just use your breath to release some of that stuff, to let go of some of those boulders and bricks um, and come back to you, the real you, what not conditioned by your past. There are so many different avenues that I could go down there. I mean, there's <laughs> literally about five things that I want to say based on everything you said. I'm going to try and do my best to cover them without going too far off tangent. But the first one that I've never really considered and what I don't think anyone would have maybe categorized, but I think that our shallow breathing or our emotional response and holding this in is probably almost everyone's coping mechanism without them realizing, right? We think about, you know, substances, distractions, work, but actually holding our breath and holding that in is probably one of the biggest coping mechanisms that the majority of us experience, right? 100%. Yeah. And we don't Mm -hmm. even know we're doing it. Exactly. And I think that's that's the most crazy part of it. I'm going to save the next question on that note, because I think we might go down the tangent there. But the next thing I wanted to consider is that babies, but also if you look at dogs, for example, right? Like they do these natural sighs when they sit down. You find that they go into the sun. They don't breathe through their mouth. They keep their mouth shut unless they really need some extra uh, extra air to breathe through because they've been exercising. They drink when they need some water. They eat when they're hungry. And I'm just like, we're missing a trick here, right? Like they don't experience that same, well, they do, I guess. I mean, you can, dogs definitely experience an emotion, but they seem to come back to this baseline where they're, they go to the sun, right? And I feel like maybe we should be taking some tips from babies and and actually the animals around us, mm. which is quite wild to say, but I think that they tend to mimic nature more naturally than we do. And that does bring me on to my next question, which I know that we are currently going through a certain pandemic, but some people would argue there's another pandemic, which is the anxiety and stress that we're all experiencing right now. And do you think part of that is due to the fact that a lot of us haven't tapped into our breath? A lot of us aren't even aware of this unbelievably powerful thing inside of us. Do you think that's part of the issue? And do you, how much do you think that that could be responsible for curing some of the challenges that we're experiencing in our day-to-day lives here in 2021? Yeah, no, it's a, a really lovely question. And as you said, I, th- I thought of one of my favorite quotes, which is by Krishnamurti. And he says, what you are, the world is. And without your transformation, there can be no transformation of the world. And I, th- I, I strongly, I, I almost live by that quote, and I strongly believe that the troubles we are experiencing as a race, as a human race, is um, humans doing. Whether it's climate, whether it's um, 
pandemics, whether it's uh, ish, other issues going on, it's 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 a reflection of what has been happening inside different people, but collectively. Um, so I think is it because of not breathing? I I think it's maybe a, a level of disconnection to who people really are. And, and the, you talked about the animals. We are animals. And there's a real disconnect from that. Uh, and we often forget that coming back to that and, and looking at the simplicities of what life is, sunlight, breathing, eating, community, having um, support around, and, and, and these things that we need to survive, but we get caught up in other things like business, growth, profit, money, time, even the way our health is. It's like to prolong this time. It's like, well, we need to live longer. Let's do this to like live longer. But I say, well, what's the point of living longer if you're not living now? So yeah, I think, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's uh, because people aren't breathing properly. I think people have just, all that stuff, because it's our, our way of, of conditioning or, or, or holding our self back from feeling, then that has created issues. And, but I, I truly believe that it's, it's, it's a way people can resolve things quite quickly. And, and often uh, a Trojan horse, I don't usually share this, but like the, the Trojan horse of what I do is, is, is that when I talk about these deeper aspects, I don't want to scare people off, but if we can all be a bit kinder to ourselves and the world around us and to the way we're living our lives, then that is a really beautiful ripple effect. And that is certainly what I set out to do with my business. And it's fine just helping one person think, oh yeah, I left and I feel better. I feel brighter. I feel like I got rid of some of that stuff. For me, it's not really about that. It is about that person, but it's actually the bigger macro vision behind that is, well, that person's going to go and be a bit kinder or be a bit happier, be a bit healthier, smile at someone in the street that will make their day, maybe leave a bigger tip to that person that was lovely to them in the restaurant. And, and this kind of thing all happens. And I feel like if we can come back to that and breathing seems to be the most accessible way to make that shift happen at quite a quick pace. And with everything going on in the world and the challenges that we've faced over the last 18 months and, and the next pandemic, whether that is looking at the climate or whether that's looking at the mental health uh, implications of the last 18 months or two years, then breathing it again is a really, really effective um, solution that people can use and you don't have to go to a hilltop monastery to do it. You can do it right now. You can, uh, anywhere, you can pull your car over, stop and um, yeah, and and take a couple of breaths and, and feel into that. And if you feel called, if you think, you know what, I am actually noticing the same things come up for me all the time, whether that's the thoughts in your mind, whether that is the experiences around you, you think, I don't want to, this isn't, this, this is creating a bit of a blockage. Well, then you might need to go and do some, a bit more deeper work. And again, you, there's lots of other routes to work through that stuff. Um, and I may be biased because it's something that helped me so much, but it really is a quick way of letting go of that bag of bricks and not having to necessarily talk about it. And I think that was another key part of me with breath work was uh, breath does the talking. Uh, I didn't really want to talk and talking therapy is an amazing tool, but again, some of my beliefs, I, did the, I didn't want to talk, it, talk about it. And breath just gives you that space to, to go inwards and feel what you need to feel. That was beautifully said and very relatable on both 
sides. And I'll start with the first, which is your Trojan horse mission. And it's very similar to mine. On the surface, people come to me to lose weight, to get ready for their beach holidays and everything like that. But beyond that, I know that that person, when they're sleeping better, when they're eating better, when they're moving their body, they're going to be a nicer parent to their child. They're mm. going to be a nicer partner to their spouse. They're going to be, you know, just more giving. And, you know, when you don't feel great, you don't want to give, you don't want to be, you don't, you, it's not even that you don't want to be, you just can't be your best self. Whereas when you are feeling in good health and that includes your breath as well and having quality breathing, that you will then, like you said, do all those things that you said, you're going to be a much nicer human being. And then ultimately the world's going to be a much nicer place to live in. And hopefully, you know, some of these big worldly problems that we have, people will want to take the onus to take those responsibilities. But mm. when they're so caught up in their day to day and the kind of things that are actually very unimportant in the grand scheme of things, it's hard to look beyond that when that is your reality, right? Yeah. It comes back to that survival mode. Is this like, if we are all in survival modes, survival mode is that fight or flight response. So if we're stuck in that mode the whole time, it's impossible and not to feel all that tension and all that weight. And it's hard not to think like quick fix or sort this out, or or maybe I'll just quickly do that because that will get me enough money to do this. And that will pay for my child's school or, or healthcare or there's all these different things. So I think, yeah, it's, it's so nice to be able to give people a tool like breathing or like fitness where you can feel just a little bit brighter, a little bit better. Absolutely. And I can't attribute this quote to myself, but I think sometimes we forget that we're human beings, not human doings, right? Yeah. And I think we get caught up in the fact that we just want to do, do, do and forget that we're actually just supposed to be at times as well. And I think breath comes into that. And transitioning on to the next part, which you've touched on quite a few times throughout now, which is the emotional side of things. And I find that a lot of people can have a very, very visceral and emotional response to breath work for the first time. I've seen people literally breathe properly for the first time and burst out in tears, right? Like it's, it's a release. It's an emotional release that a lot of people, I don't think they initially anticipate. And you've touched on it a few times in the version of grief, the, you know, big boys don't cry, all this type of stuff. And you've also just mentioned how talk therapy wasn't the thing that was going to unlock it for you, but breath has done the talking. So what can some of the emotional releases that people can expect to see? And also for those who maybe don't feel safe in their body, like we said, we caught, we've probably kept a lot in and it can be quite scary to let go of that, right? A coping mechanism, whether it's alcohol or whatever it is, is scary to let go of because it's you have to face those demons. So for those who potentially don't feel safe, how do you get them to feel comfortable in their body? And then also what are some of the, emo the other emotional benefits that people can experience from breathwork? So when people don't feel safe in their own body, often their breath is not very grounded in their body. Their breath is further up, it's further up here. It's just an observation that I often see. Um, so it's about getting them very, very grounded. Make it, we talked about the diaphragm, but really, really getting their breath grounded in their body and getting them to feel into the body um, and really feel parts of themselves. Can you feel your, your feet? Can you feel your toes? Can you start even using gratitude as a tool on top of breath work, thanking your feet, thanking your legs, um, different ways of just arriving back into the body because something will have caused you not to feel safe in your body. And you may, may not know what that is and that's okay. Um, but it's a case of saying, well, let's get our breath back in our body, feel our breath flowing in our body even use some words to that feel comforting. I feel safe in my body. I'm safe in my body. Or it's safe to be here. Or I choose to be here. 
So we can use um, vocal prompts if that feels good. But naturally, when we start breathing deeper, uh, you have that deeper connection. It's our breath in terms of kind of energetic flow. It's a bit like the, the, the roots of a tree. If we don't have the roots going all the way down, it's it's going to be all flowing away and, and and unstable. And if we can start grounding our breath, really grounding, getting it down into our our, our lower um, torso, then a well, it's more stable and on a very physical level. But we'll we'll feel that sense of safety as well. We'll feel that sense of groundedness. That's an amazing answer. I I love the analogy. I can literally just see the tree and it being rooted and yeah, like you said, just breathing deeper. And what are some of the other emotional benefits that people can expect? Can, would you say that they're going to have an immediate impact? Is it something that's going to take, does longer you do it, the more the benefits come? I've found that personally, but I'm wondering what that's like for other people who are potentially a little bit more skeptical to begin with. Yeah, it's, it ranges so much. Sometimes people have that first breakthrough experience, like straight out the gate, first session, they think, oh, which was me. But I was at that breaking point, like something needed to go. And, and, and that was very, very powerful. And then it felt like peeling off the onion layers and going a little bit deeper. So I worked through grief and I realized that the grief, actually, why wasn't I feeling grief? Well, grief was actually because big boys don't cry and I'd grown up doing martial arts and my Ted Ebbie was called Tough Ted. And, you know, my, I grew up in Scotland and, and there were just these, these conditions that made me that point. So ther- therapeutic benefits really, really range. Some people come for things like sleep and stress are pretty obvious ones, but any kind of emotional disturbance or traumas, or it can, I mean, the last year I've been helping a lot of people through long COVID. So very physical, like not being able to breathe properly and feeling very breathless, persistent headaches, vertigo. So it really ranges very physical, emotional, everything on that spectrum, like right the way through from people that don't know how they feel like they can't feel joy or people who just feel a bit depressed or people who have are feeling anxious people maybe socially anxious um, maybe more practical things like people that want to do public speaking that just they feel great but then as soon as they try and do a pub talk in front of a big group where they have to at work they they just can't they feel a shadow of themselves so how can we build confidence how do we build how do we allow people to access their voice their expression. How can we go back to being you with with no limits and and coming back to that that version of you that you're here to do? I often think we're all so unique and we all got our own unique gifts to be here on this lifetime. And we spend so much of that time comparing against others. But if we can actually just come back to ourselves and think, well, what is who am I? And what is it that I'm what are what are my things that I can do and share and and what is holding me back from those things? So breaking down those barriers and they can be such a range of things and everything on that emotional spectrum. And, and there's, there's yeah. also just the, which works in a very different way is, is the sporting context. Um, working with breath is a performance enhancement tool. How do you s- simulate altitude training to increase red blood count in the body and, and increase EPO production and all these amazing things um, stimulate stem cell growth. And, and there's so much real life applications that are very interesting, very interesting. And when I say sport, my, um, th- those protocols, like I had a message the other day from, from somebody who said, I went th- she went through one of my breathing for running um, little programs. She did a charity run, half marathon, never done one before, 
mom of two, she's like, oh my God, I beat my PB by 15 minutes. And she was over the moon. And she said, all I did was just practice what you told me. And for me, that just makes my day. It's not about like one thing, getting Olympic athletes to gold, but just for somebody to go, I raised all this money for charity and I beat my time by 15 minutes. I'm over the moon. And I did it with ease because I breathed a little bit differently. And I practiced breathing training as part of my fitness regime as opposed to just saying I'm just doing my my fitness. Um so there's there's tangible benefits on every scale, which is just so rewarding to hear, but also for the people that actually work through those things. Hundred percent. And I've got so many more questions, but this podcast does have to come to an end at some point. So I'm going to try and be quick with these final few and be respectful of your time. But from a practical perspective of exercise, let's say someone who is typically in the gym, maybe they do a CrossFit style, maybe they do bodybuilding style, or they are doing the marathon. What type of breath work can they do alongside that? And can they do it during their exercise as well? Yeah, well, there's this would this would probably take a whole podcast of uh, sharing. So I'll try and be concise. Answers yes, the oxygen is powering our muscles mainly. I know there's there's two types of respiration: aerobic, which is using oxygen, and anaerobic, which is not using oxygen. Um, uses slightly anaerobic, slightly less efficient in terms of making ATP, which our muscles use, uh, and creates lactic acid. So our muscles get a bit sore, but we can build on our capacity for both of those training aerobically, getting better at breathing, building up that aerobic threshold, which is what base level fitness is, increasing things like VO2 max, which is your maximum consumption of oxygen. How can you get these things really, really working? Um, I'm working up on the um, anaerobic side as well, which tends to happen when you're doing more dynamic exercises and the the body can't make demand for that energy quick enough. So switches from breathing where you still breathe, but the actual what happens in the body is slightly different. So yeah, there's protocols that you can use. A, understanding how you're breathing in that given sport and what impact that's having. And then having a a breathing, a breath training part of a part of your training program as well, just to make sure you're actually building up tolerance in different ways or building up that um, anaerobic or aerobic capacity through, through breathing. Because it's all down to breathing is I think there's, there's two things why do you gas out in a exercise? Well, You've either ran out of breath, which is breath related, or your muscles have got sore, which is lactic acid, which is breath related. So our fitness definitely comes down to um, the way that we're breathing and how we're breathing. And and when we start playing around with that, it, it can make a huge difference. Yeah, it can feel quite intuitive, but like you said, it's all related back to breathing. So I can imagine it can have a very profound impact. And on to the couple of final questions. The first, is there much benefit from like, say, what we did at the beginning, maybe we're going to do four or five minutes of breath work versus doing maybe a 20, 25 minute session? Well, it depends on the on the practice. You're going to get a benefit of one round. Like you're going to feel a difference. If in doubt, breathe it out. You breathe in for four, hold for four, out for eight you're going to feel slightly calmer than you did beforehand. It does take time for things like your heart rhythms to stabilize. So if you're doing something like the box breathing that we started off this podcast with, to actually access that state of flow through that practice, you probably want to do a bit longer. I don't think you need to do it more than four, five minutes personally, just for everything to start calming down for your, what will happen is it will send a signal to your heart and it's the heart cadence and rhythm that will send a signal to the brain. And it's those, that that's when you map it on a graph over time, it just starts going like this. The actual signal the the heart is sending through practices like that compared to when we're feeling anxious or aggravated, you draw it and it's like this big jagged wave. So yeah, 
play around with what you've got. I'm an advocate of just like not overloading, starting off small. You might think, oh, wow, you know what? I felt really good. I want to do a bit longer tomorrow. So starting off with one minute, two minutes, three minutes, adding a little bit as your warm up. Even if it's running, there's a lot of um, belief around stitches. Like what stitches? Stitches, tension in the diaphragm. So have you warmed your diaphragm up like you have done every other muscle? You're going to be using it a lot when you're training and, and things like that. So playing around whatever it is you're looking to improve, whether that is very physical thing like your sport, your health or training, if it's your mental health, um, well, what can I do to help that? Am I stressed all day long? Is that impacting my life? Or is it something deeper that we need to explore? And then finding that breath technique that really works for you. Some people, I share techniques and they go, oh, you know what? Actually, I do. it's all kind of ratios. And for me, I'm like, whatever works, works. Some people say, oh, you know, I actually just breathe in for five and breathe out for 15 and it sorts me right out. Is that good? I'm like, if it works, it's good. Like your body is your body and, and the science behind that is just as good as four and eight. If not, you've got that longer exhale. So you're relaxing a bit further. It's just a bit more challenging. So playing around with it, it all starts with a bit of awareness, noticing how your breath is flowing through different scenarios. And that might just be, how am I sitting breathing when I'm sat on the sofa at the end of the day? And if I'm sat there on the sofa, my breath is racing like something else, or maybe I'm holding my breath throughout my day. We often get that holding breath when you're typing emails or email apnea. It's actually been coined already. So it's yeah, just getting really curious. And once we have that curiosity, once you have that awareness of it, you can start making a change and making a little tweak, a little tweak, and then that little tweak can build a bit more on and, and see how you get on. Yeah, I think one of the most powerful things I did was, and if someone wants to find out the, the power of breath and like try and walk down the road and maybe you've got like a 10 minute walk to the tube, keep your mouth shut, just breathe through your nose. Mm. And I've noticed on your Instagram, you tape up your mouth sometimes as well. We won't go into that because it's going to be a long story. Yeah. But like, and then you'll see like, mm, I really want to breathe through my mouth here. And you're like, oh, wow, but, you know, there's something going on here. But my last question on that note is, how do we make this stick? You know, I'm sure the benefits continue the more that we do it. So how do, have you got some key tips for making sure that people continue to do this and don't lose sight of the importance of it? Yeah, it's, it, it's one of these things I, I think with some sort of stillness practice, whether it's meditation or breath work or journaling or, or whatnot, I feel like in, in 20 years time, it's going to be literally like brushing teeth. Like you don't, you don't do that every day. You don't do that twice a day, like for five minutes. Like, oh my God, that's ridiculous. Like, I, I genuinely feel it's going to get to that point because life is moving so quickly and moving so fast and we need something to bring ourselves down to allow ourselves just to compute a little bit just to have that time out so it just comes with repetition and practice and the more you do it the more you feel i was doing and i'm still doing them um, but not as uh, through lockdown i did morning Instagram sessions every day started off as a five day thing and it ended up being a year Monday to Friday 7.30 for 20 minutes and it was amazing because there was hundreds and hundreds of people on there and and such a lovely community and when I've stopped like right now I, I stopped I was away uh, in Greece for a little bit and I've just working on some projects and I will be back on those at some point soon but people are like oh like what's happened? We've stopped. Like, I really need it. And, and I'm like, well, actually, well, this is a good thing. If I'm not there, like, you need to just continue that practice. But what, why I'm sharing that is once people start doing it, like anything, so when you go to the gym 
and you you leave the gym and you think, you know what? I feel like I feel I feel good. Maybe not every time because you might feel a bit sore and you think, oh geez, I've got the gym again tomorrow. But overall, you you start to feel the shift and the change. And it's those little changes. And then someone comes up to you and goes, Wow, you're looking great. What's going on? Like, what have you been doing? And you think, Wow, you know what? I've just been doing XYZ. So it's sticking with it, starting off small doing little things like you said walking down the street great make sure you're breathing through your nose we won't go into the taping the mouth up today but breathing breathing functionally 101 rapid fire in and out through your nose and using your diaphragm and just slowing that pace down is how we should be breathing most of the time like if not all the time unless we need that quick fix like the gasp of air when uh, at times of need, uh, like when we were in the, the car's about to hit us and we need that gasp to, to engage everything in that stress response. But yeah, that's, I think if people can just, how to get it to stick, you might need to, the, the way I got meditation to stick, this is, this is before I even kind of was doing breath work. And this maybe says a lot about me and my personality. Um, where somebody said, here's a breath work, uh, sorry, here's a meditation challenge. It wasn't the meditation that got me. It was the word challenge, um, which, which certainly picked my interest. So it might be something like that. Like, is this something that I just want to say, you know what? I want to try this for a month. Let's see if we can stick to a month. I mean, there's that old thing. If you try, try something for 21 days, it forms a habit. I don't think that's quite true. I think it's a bit longer personally. Um, we'll fall off the wagon after 21 days. But after a month, you'll probably notice a difference. And um yeah, I mean, even, I shared my Instagram. You can jump on my Instagram and go on my IGTV and there's loads of different ways to breathe, loads of different themes that we've done. So it might be even a quick place to start, 20 minutes a day with that or when we launch launch them again, when, when that, whatever that'll be. I've not got a date for it yet, so I can't really plug that. But that's also a nice way to start your day, 20 minutes, a bit of breath work and feel into it and you'll, you'll notice a difference. And that's the nice thing. And once, the, once you start noticing that difference, it becomes like the tooth toothbrushing. Like I have my morning routine and if I don't do it, I blame the bad day on my, <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, that's because I didn't do it. I ran out the door. And if you can notice the benefits from it, then then that'll be enough to keep keep you going. Yeah. Once you see the results, it's one of those things that you want to keep coming back to as well, right? Especially if you, you, and the beautiful thing is I feel like you get that immediate, like, oh, I feel much better now, but you also get the long-term effects of it especially me from like a, a mindfulness standpoint as well like you can start to regulate things a lot more so you get both the short-term impact which i think is really important like when you finish brushing your teeth you feel fresh and clean which is why you want to come back because you know long-term dental hygiene whereas if you don't see that immediate effect it's quite hard to keep coming back so mm. i think that's important and you mentioned on your instagram is that the best place for people to find you i know you've got a radio one show i'm keen to hear where people can find you and explore more of your work yeah, Instagram is probably where I'm most active in terms of the social media platforms. And yes, I have a show on Radio 1, on BBC Radio 1. We're just completing the third series of that. And it's a music show because it's, it's Radio 1. Music, like I shared, is a big part of my life. So um, it's a music show, but each show we have a different topic. Um, so sometimes it's focus, sometimes it's to do with anxiety, sometimes it's to do with um, improving your memory and all sorts of different things um, that are quite fun and but really practical. I've tried to make it as practical and easy to follow as possible. And there's some breathing techniques on, on that show too. So that's available on demand on BBC Sounds. It's called the decompression sessions. Even if you just want to pop it on and listen to the tunes, the music's pretty cool. It's not as, uh, it, it's electronic kind of chill sometimes it's 
bit more dancey and sometimes a bit more relaxing, depending kind of on the, what the topic is. So that's a place to find me and website breathpod.me hosts our events. Our events are still online at the minute, which is great for everybody in terms of accessibility. We do a, one of the deeper form practices once a month online, the first Wednesday of the month. Um, which is through Zoom and it is donation based. So just pay what you can afford, which just to help people and, and let people have that access point where sometimes these things can be expensive when you go to different classes and whatnot. And and I want people just to be able to, if I'm true to my mission, it needs to be accessible for, for everybody, not at a price point. So it's, it's just done as donation based. Um, and it's like an hour and a half session, first Wednesday of the month. But all of it, all the details will be on, they'll be on Instagram and they're also on the website. Amazing. I'll pop that all in my show notes and I encourage anyone who's listening, if any other conversation has piqued your interest, I think you don't need any more of a sign. Don't let it get to a point where you really need a sign. Allow this one to be. So the final question I got for you, Stuart, has been a super valuable conversation is what impact do you want to leave I'm going to be big here. Usually I say the fitness industry or the industry itself, but I want to say what impact you want to leave on the world and the humans you work with? Yeah. Um, I mean, it is a big question, isn't it? And it comes back to what we talked about. I, I really feel there's a lot of challenges that we face and I feel like I want people to know that there is something that you can do to bring back a bit of control in your day that not only will affect you, but will affect the world around you. And we'll leave on that Krishnamurti quote again, what you are, the world is. And without your transformation, there can be no transformation of the world. And that is kind of what I live and breathe through my work and helping people transform, let go of whatever it is they need to let go of so that they can feel happier and healthier and have that effect on everything that they do and every person that they meet. That's a beautiful closing message. Well, thank you so much for all that you do, Stro. I really do appreciate it. And I think the world and everyone who has experienced your work appreciates it as well. Uh, thank you so much it's been such a pleasure appreciate it all right thank you so much for listening people take care and we'll speak soon and that was the simply fit podcast i hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode i feel inspired to improve your health and well-being be sure to search for simply fit in apple podcasts google podcasts and spotify or anywhere else you get your podcast from and go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.